Howdy, folks. You are cordially invited to join us for the sight and spectacle that will forever be remembered as Episode 7 of Backlog Treasure Hunters. I have a little bit of news at the top of the show. Astute listeners will have seen that this is not the Owl Boy episode that we promised. Uh, we postponed that one because my copy showed up too late for me to play it on time. And then we got caught up with other games, so that episode's in the pipeline. Uh, the next piece of news is that today's episode's going to be a little bit different than usual for a few reasons, but I just wanted to say up front that we're lifting our uh, quote-unquote no swearing policy for this one. Uh, we're not prudes, but ordinarily we try to keep swearing to a minimum so that our moms can listen to this. But uh, I suppose this means that we're just going to forever have an explicit tag, and oh well. Uh, so back to the intro. Uh, Backlog Treasure Hunters is a podcast where we play through games in our backlogs that we haven't played yet to answer the most important question. Are they treasure or are they trash? I am your host and world champion boar writer, Kevin Savage. Hosting with me, as always, is my fellow video game enthusiast and geriatric lighthouse attendant, Jordan J.T. Manning. How are you doing? What's up, Kevin? You dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) Starting to swearing off early, are you? Uh, and ladies and gentlemen of our fine audience, please welcome our very first guest to the show and rat and lizard cocktail connoisseur, Christian Dixie Ember. How are you doing? It's, it's your boy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, your name was the most difficult to cook up because, uh, like Chris, uh, Jordan's easy. Just like you generically disrespect him, but you <laughs> needed something. Needed something. <laughs> a little, a little classier. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's kind of tricky layering, uh, something that's both amusing and insulting, like when Jordan wastes <laughs> items in games, but I couldn't think of a good item. I never too. waste items. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> right. I played all of tactics, just wasting every item. But I couldn't, I couldn't think of like an amusing item that you would waste in this. So, uh, cause like, did you guys even use items in this? Like, other than like spamming help potions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. Did you? I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I want to say oh, toward the end, toward the end, I started actually using the uh, the drops more. Uh, this is because I wanted to not be fucked about with uh, some of the boss fights. So mm. yeah, there oh, was for... a single point where, um, like, I couldn't really save because I was already in the boss fight and uh, I didn't have any other health potions. So I started using, like, every other resource available to me. Mm. But other than uh, that, like, I would sporadically use strength and... Uh, magic drops whenever I could. I had exactly the, that same problem with the sand boss, where I had like two small potions and one large potion, and I just had to get good enough at that fight where I could do the whole thing without taking damage, basically. <laughs> yeah. And like it, my my options were restart the game because I didn't have a redundant save, or <laughs> <God damn. laughs> or get good enough. <laughs> Today on anything that is, what, pre-2011, essentially? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah any, any game prior to this, it's like, either if you fucked up really hard, they're like, all right, cool, go ahead and start from the top, hoping you didn't waste, you know, 20 hours playing. Yeah, uh, like, uh, I'm sorry, you rendered the game unwinnable. Bye. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Christian, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background as a gamer? All right, so uh, I've been essentially gaming for the last, what, two, almost two and a half decades, um, and it stems from just me playing Galaga with my dad, essentially. <laughs> um, nice. we used to, uh, yeah, we used to go back and forth uh, trying to beat each other's high score on uh, the little machine we had at the time, um, and then uh, when we 
he got me a N64 for Christmas, and we played um, stuff like uh, Banjo Kazooie uh, with each other, and um, oh gosh, and uh, like uh, Diddy Kong Racing, big stuff uh, playing together. Uh, and then while well, he went and did, you know, big boy dad things, I decided to be a absolute fucking neat and <laughs> uh, just play video games <laughs> the rest of my foreseeable lifespan. Mostly Nintendo stuff until the Xbox 360 came out, uh, and then jumped over to the 360. Um, and then you just became a slave to Microsoft. Uh, actually, I would say for the most part, yes, but the PlayStation 4 uh, actually has a spot in my room while the Xbox One continues to uh, labor in a GameStop somewhere. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so the PlayStation 4 actually has some really nice, solid, you know, core titles to have, while the Xbox One has um, access to the Game Pass, which is now on PC. So, you have that going on for yourself. Mm. I love yeah. that Game Pass. Yeah, the Game Pass is great. It's a great idea. It's just like, okay, cool. You know, you have it on PC, so run with that instead. Yeah. I I don't think that we've had an episode where Jordan has not celebrated the Game Pass. It's so. good. It's so good. It is. I'm not. So good. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just commenting <laughs> that it's amusing. That, that's how good it is. It's on every episode of this podcast. Yes, it should be. <laughs> it's how I'm playing Doom Eternal. Yeah. Oh, so much Doom. Too much Doom. So, uh, Big C, when yeah. you agreed to come on the show, I sent you over our backlog list, and of mm-hmm. all of the games that you possibly could have picked, you picked Near. So, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us why you picked this one? Uh, I. I actually kind of started playing this game at one point and because you said like oh this is stuff that we you know haven't finished or only got a little bit far, you know into um i picked this up i played it for like i think a grand total of two hours didn't understand the hell out of it because this is when it first came out and i was a small baby uh, <laughs> and, and this game is obtuse yeah yeah so like i just didn't get it so i put it away uh, but i kept like i would think about this game like every now and then and I'm like i wonder if this game still exists and I thought it was a fever dream until uh, Nier Automata came out. And then I recognized the name. It's like, oh, that's not a word, really. But I recognized the first part of this of this name. Um, and was like, yeah, I'll go back and I'll play the original Nier um, while I'm gearing up to play Automata um, to see how it correlates. Because um, prior to that, I didn't, done, I didn't do any research into the game at all. Uh, and I was just like, this game is kind of weird. This game is super weird, and this mm-hmm. game rules. So yeah. I'm glad that we're here. Uh, Jordan Manning. Yeah. You are, I believe, the world's biggest fan of Nier Automata, and I genuinely bought a copy so that you would stop telling me to buy a copy. So uh-huh. why why haven't you played Nier 1 before now? Uh, because until Nier Automata came out, I didn't really have these games on my radar. And then I played Automata, and for some reason I could just never find a copy of this Nier, or Nier Gestalt, as most people might claim it to be. And I couldn't find a copy, and I really didn't have too much of a... Like, the genre and the theme changing so much was just something that, for some reason, didn't click in my mind. And then, of course, as soon as you obtain it and put it in your console, you're like, okay... This is exactly the thing I wanted after playing Nier Automata. It's like you can see it and you kind of don't want it, but when it's in your hands, you love it. Yeah, uh, this game, I couldn't put it down. Uh, Once you actually started playing, you couldn't put it down. And uh, Christian, I assume that you enjoyed it as much as we did. 
Just oh, absolutely. because, like, I, I can't imagine a universe where anybody that plays this doesn't immediately love it. <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't play Automata until um, early in 2020 when I was off of work uh, after having major shoulder reconstruction due to a freak swimming accident in Barbados. <laughs> uh, and I can't say that without sounding like a dick. But uh, I beat Nier Automata in, like, less than a week and uh, immediately bought near as soon as i got to ending e of automata i just said i need to eat everything related to near i want it in and around me at all times and uh, i received my copy in the same care package that i got as tactics a2 so i just saved it for the podcast because i thought like this 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 game is exactly why we do this podcast this kind of game is why we do this and i'm really glad that uh I'm really glad that we're talking about it. And then uh, one last thing before we kind of dive into the meat and potatoes of this is, Christian, how on God's green earth have you not played Nier Automata yet? Like, you of all people. It's been, I mean, it's I mean, part of my own backlog. It's because I got it originally for uh, the PlayStation and um, was like, oh, I'll play this at some point. And then Fire Emblem um, had come out on the Switch, uh, Three Houses. And I sunk, I think... Four months of my life uh, just playing the shit out of that game uh, and not doing like multiple like playthroughs or whatever. It's just like, you know, I would just turn the game on and I would be playing it for like an hour. And then an hour I would just be chilling out and being like, oh, this is fun. Um, so I ended up just kind of being pushed to the back while I'm finding other things to play. Um, uh, I've been playing a lot of stuff on, my, uh, on Steam and all that kind of stuff. So it's just it's. I'm I, honestly I'm probably gonna play Automata as soon as we're done with this recording. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just I can't believe that like sexy robots the game is not like that 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 somehow Fire Emblem could take precedent in your universe over that. I, I knew Fire Emblem was gonna be a fan, like a a really good game, so I wanted to to, to play it, but I just didn't see how long it was. Uh, I didn't expect Three Houses to to eat up as much time as it actually did for me. Um, for Nier, I was like, I know it's gonna be it's going to be kind of kooky and weird. Um, mm. So I'm going to want to play it, but I want to be in the right kind of mindset for it. And um, after uh, I think right, you know, during that whole uh, time span, I also had played um, uh, Detroit, which I have my opinions on. <laughs> so oh, I, oh, like, I love Detroit. I'm playing yeah. it with my wife right now. Oh, nice. And, nice. Nice. Uh, Cause they, I got it for free on PlayStation network, not quite game pass, but uh, PlayStation <laughs> plus. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they butter my bottom. I wanted to take a, a slight break from the uh, the the robot thing for just a second to go do something else. Uh, but like I said, I'll I'll be playing Automata as soon as we're done with this recording. As you've no doubt put together on tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about the uh, fantasy action RPG Near, developed by Square Enix. And uh, just a quick high level premise for everybody is that uh, you play as Papa Near. Go ahead, Jordan. The developer is Kavya, the publisher is Square Enix. Is that right? Yes. Oh, I had no, um, I, I had done nothing uh, about the developer, so if, if you know, is that uh, Yokotaro's studio? Yes. Oh, why did I think this was developed by Square Enix? Well, because Square Enix, when they slap their name on anything, you just kind of forget that anything else exists. <laughs> That's Square Enix uh, has the uh, size 42 font uh, on the front of the, yeah. uh, the game. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, in terms well, of like what Kavya has done, nothing insane. They do a lot of anime games. They've done a couple Resident Evil spinoffs. 
um, they did all the Nier and Drakengard stuff, and that's kind of it. Other than Drakengard and Nier, uh, like, have they done anything that's remarkable? No. Okay. <laughs> well, then I guess uh, <laughs> I guess that's all we need about them then. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so you play as Papa Nier, who's on a quest to find a cure for a mysterious disease afflicting his young daughter. And uh, so Mr. Facts has formally retired from his duties, but uh, both uh, Christian and Jordan, both of you guys feel free to chime in about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nier is a spinoff of the Drakengard series, and um, uh, I don't think any of us have played any of those games. We have not. No, Jordan? I've never touched a Drakengard game. Uh, I, uh, while I was ordering my copy of Nier, I was also looking into uh, how to play Drakengard, and it is prohibitively expensive. Drakengard 1 on PS2 is something like $150, and the <laughs> Metacritic rating is something like 37 So people are just... Uh, so the, the so unanimous, a game. <laughs> <laughs> the unanimous statement is, it's really interesting, but don't play it. Uh, so, like, one, one day I'd love to just touch one of the Dragon Guard games. Just, like, <laughs> just to feel I've power. never seen one in the wild. I've never, I've never held one. Um, but Nier is apparently an indirect sequel to one of the secret endings from Dragon Guard 1. And Dragon Guard 2 comes from a different ending. So Nier is not related to either Dragon Guard 2 or Dragon Guard 3. It's only related to the first one, which is weird. Uh, and um, Jordan alluded to this earlier, but there's actually two different versions of Nier uh, that were both released in Japan at the same time, like two days apart from each other. And they're fundamentally the same game with the same plot, but there's minor tweaks to them. So try to think of it as like Pokemon Red and Blue version. It's basically the same game. But uh, the first version that came out is called Nier Replicant. And in that version, the main character is a young man named Nier, who's Yona's older brother. And uh, Replicant was released in Japan and was exclusively released on the PlayStation 3. Uh, And the remake that's coming out in 2021 is based on the Replicant version. And then the second version that came out is called Nier Gestalt or Gestalt. Uh, It's not important to me. It's Gestalt. Fine. (laughs) You you can be right. Both of you can be right. So, uh, in that version. My glasses are flushing up, don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, actually. Actually. So in uh, in the the G version of the game, uh, you play at, the main character is uh, is also named Nier, and instead he's a middle aged man who's Yona's father. And apparently there are some different songs in it, than in Replicant. But as far as I can tell, based on my research, those are the only major differences between the two versions. So technically, uh, Gestalt is the uh, true predecessor to Nier Automata because of something that I won't spoil. But just take my word for it, it's the, uh, like, quote-unquote, actually true predecessor. Uh, so and interesting. Then this version was released in Japan exclusively on the Xbox 360 in April 2010, but was then uh, released for the rest of the world on both PS3 and on Xbox 360 on the same day later in the same month. So, just to summarize, Gestalt is the only version that left Japan, and it's the version that we're discussing today. Replicant is being remade on PS4 and X-Bone and is coming out in 2021. Uh, I don't know if they're doing it on PlayStation 5, even though the PlayStation 5 will be out. Is already out? Is the PS5 already out? Yeah, it came uh, out yes, yesterday. As a, yeah. Oh, no, two days ago. Uh, 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, odd choice not to port it to the modern console, but that that's cool. Anyway, uh, I love how the titles are stylized. Have you guys seen all of the boxes for these games? Yep. I've because... seen, I believe, the um, like a, the original PlayStation 3 uh, art, so for um, Replicant, and then just the one we have in America. Mm. But uh, the like near as it's written in the Japanese version, has the uppercase N and R, but lowercase I and E, and that just looks really good to my eye. And mm. uh, in Japan, Replicant has a capital C, so we've got two big Cs in one place. It's your boy! You get it! That was a really bad joke, but I do really love uh, the, uh, <laughs> how the titles are stylized. Um, so uh, the game was created by Yoko Taro, who seems to just be like a really heavy hitter. Uh, he makes really cool games. Uh, my only experience are with the two Nier games that I've played, but they're breathtaking. So uh, I would actually really like to go and play the Dragon Guard games if I can. But um, I don't know how I would even get a copy of the first one. It's just too expensive. And Dragon Guard 3 is a surprisingly expensive PS3 game. And, like, it's just, like, I don't know if I want to drop, like, 60 US dollars for uh, a game that most people say don't play. Uh, but uh, he seems like a pretty private guy, uh, and he wears an Emil mask when he's in interviews, which I think is sweet. Uh, and then according to Wikipedia, there is a new Nier game that's in the works called Nier Reincarnation that's going to be an Android and iOS sequel to Nier Automata. Jordan and Christian, have either of you guys ever heard that um, there was a live play performed in, Tor- in... Yeah, called Yorha. That yeah. explains what happens in between these games. Uh, yes, you... indeed. Uh, I think I watched an entire um, like performance of it on YouTube. Oh, can you? Is that findable? Yeah, I, I'm trying to see if I can find it right now. But uh, if you dig deep enough, like I saw, it was a good chunk. I might not have been the entire thing because it was like less than an hour, but it was cool. It, it and that's why like little spoilers later it does tell some really interesting stuff about the in-between and if anything after i watched it i really wanted to go back and play near again to get ending b specifically ending b yeah uh oh so um uh the three of us only got to ending a of near i know that that's not like the true kind of full experience but we just we kind of needed to call it uh at a certain spot so that all three of us could get it because we're three busy people with lives and things to do even even during lockdown uh life still goes on and coordinating three people playing a 40-hour rpg is just a little difficult to do do you guys have anything else about near development facts fun facts nothing too crazy i know that yokotaro takes his time when he's making these games so Whenever they come out, they're meant to be very polished and very interesting. Like, they they regularly want to always put multiple endings into their games and have multiple versions. Like, the simple fact of uh, Gestalt versus Replicant being the exact game but with completely different story dialogue is insane. Like, start to finish, just same exact game but whole different story is something beyond me when it comes to development it just doubles the time yeah because like the the story beats are all the same as far as i understand like nothing major different happens but all of the scenarios must be completely different because you've got a different person standing there 
Yeah. So I agree. It's it's weird, and uh, I think that it's bold. So I'm I'm really interested in playing Replicant when it comes out. I think it's called like uh it, it's it's like near with a series of numbers or something. Yeah. I think it's up on Steam right now actually for pre-purchase, so we could theoretically see it. So uh from this point I'd like to say uh major spoilers for both Nier and Nier Automata, uh you have been warned. A lot of the things that happen in Nier are kind of like echoed in Nier Automata. So um that, like it's like when you know the story of one you kind of know the a lot about the story of the other one and uh it's just kind of cool so uh this game rules what did you guys <laughs> think of this sweet game fucking great uh out the out the gate um this game really did impress me with just the kind of the little i guess quality of life things um that it presented to you as well as just the, it being just a weird story that you're like genuinely interested to see like where the fuck it's supposed to go um and it finds a good way to keep that energy throughout the entirety of the game yeah it's just it's this game is fucking cool Nier's a a badass um it just i found it so weird that uh he doesn't look like i don't know if it was just me he doesn't look like a dad like if you play it like a really uh, like <laughs> Like if you played on a, on a low res TV, like when I first was not a dad. He doesn't look like a dad. Uh, and then when you play it on a higher def TV, you can see like, oh, this man is supposed to have wrinkles, I think. Or yes. Else, like, his eyes are really sunken. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he looks really different. And uh, his chin is so prominent. Like <laughs> yes, what, big what is energy. his character model? <laughs> yeah. Big energy. Um, He's got a full like arrow as a mouth like not even a flat line it's it's almost entirely a curve i wonder if yeah, that's kind of like to kind of have the okay because that you know when you look at the the box art and like the character model for replicant it looks like a you know a, a japanese you know rpg pretty boy character while the xbox 360 looks like a it's a it's a, a dad <laughs> like they wanted to put the, they want they wanted the american quote unquote americanized market for the 360 to be like that's yeah, a dad <laughs> so i have a really important question about uh-huh. papaneer for the two of you uh-huh. can we add papaneer to the list of hot dads and games oh absolutely 100 <laughs> no not even a little <laughs> what bit stop about? what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i i thought up a few uh hot or a few video game dads so mm-hmm. we've got saws in final fantasy 13 <laughs> and keeping a baby chocobo in your afro is a hot dad move. So I think we can call Sass a hot dad. And uh, Jordan, uh huh. Have you ever considered keeping a live bird in your afro? Absolutely, a hundred percent. I'm still trying to find one small enough. Uh, and so if you could do it, you would do it. Yep. And you have to find one who's like cool enough to not speak when you're like in public. So you can just, like, take a berry or something and put it in your afro, and then it's just gone. And it'll amuse people. But if you're, like, in church, and then there's just a bird (laughs) sound coming from your afro, they might ask you to leave. Yeah, some people might take offense to it. So uh, the next dad I could think of, we've got Karth from Knights of the Old Republic. And I think that whining is a cold dad move, so Karth cannot be a hot dad. Uh, the next dad I could think of was Norman from Pokemon Gen 3. And running a gym where you flex on people with sloth Pokemon is a hot dad move. So I'd, I'd call him a hot dad. 
And then Joel from The Last of Us, uh, that man stabs fungus zombies in the throat, and I'd say that's a hot dad move. It's a pretty hot dad move. So uh, is is Papa Nier a hot dad? Because I'd say uh, very, very sharp features, uh, big, beefy body, not afraid to wear a mask, uh, not afraid to wear sandals at all times. <laughs> sandals, but basically shirtless. This man <laughs> exudes beach dad body. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I don't like ripped dad. beach dad bod. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just like, like this man's absolutely shredded. He just has like a bit of a, a bit of a gut. It's just like, yeah, I work out, I I kill monsters, but I also like drink heavily uh, to numb the pain of my daughter dying. So you know, little right. things. Little, <laughs> little things. So yeah, I would definitely put Papanier up there in between, probably between uh, Joel and uh, maybe Kratos, and that that's uh, on like right in the middle of the school. <laughs> right oh, yeah. There. I, I I would say uh, being the god of war is a hot dad move. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jordan, why don't you tell us more about Papa Nier and his uh, baby girl, Yona? Well, okay. So, this is actually a question I kind of wanted to ask. And I think I'm right. Now, the Nier at the very beginning of the game, when he's yeah. like a human, that is the shade, right? That's absolutely... That, that was how I interpreted it. Uh... I am going to, I'm going to, I was going to say this kind of later on, but like, I don't think that everything that happens in this game is supposed to be interpreted literally. Like, I don't think that, I don't believe that all of the story is supposed to make literal sense. Hmm. I do think that a lot of it's kind of just supposed to wash over you. But how I interpreted the events was that the near in the start of the game is the shade. Okay. And that's what I thought. And he like awakens Grimoire Noir and then. That's kind of what I gathered from that beginning. But So anyway, um, you've got this Shade who starts this huge series of events. And then when we get to Papaneer, Papaneer is just kind of average, everyday dad. You know, ripped is all hell and master of swords for some reason. And he's got his little girl, Yona, who I think is nine years old, something like that. She's super young. And... Uh, she is afflicted with the Black Scroll, which is the plague that's been spreading across the land. And you're in a fantasy setting, so you've got normal fantasy tropey things going around. But you definitely have shades, shades going through towns, causing a whole bunch of havoc and spreading whatever darkness that they've got. And so Nier's original job is his daughter's sick. He's trying to find a way to reverse the disease that she's afflicted with so she doesn't end up in so much pain and potentially inevitably die. So I think next up in like terms of story importance, we've got Devola and Popola, who are kind oh, of God. the town's de facto <laughs> rulers as well as quest givers. So Popola is basically the mayor and she runs the show and she gives you all of your major quests. Devola is kind of the town bard. And um, I believe she's the one that's singing a lot of the songs in the game, which is kind of yes, cool. Or at the very least, uh, yeah. And then, oh, so she's kind of like the job board. And if you want to do side quests, uh, you find Devola. If you want to do main quests, you sign, uh, uh, find Popola. But they're identical twins um, that are very recognizable because they've got bright red hair. Minor spoilers for Nier Automata. Devil and Popola are still alive in the events of Nier Automata, which is insane because it takes place like a thousand years after this game. And 
I was fascinated when they showed up, and I was so excited because all you know about them in Automata, I don't remember who they tell. I think they tell 9S. But they say, we did something unforgivable, and we will never be able to atone for it. And that's all that you ever know about their backstory is just like they did something that they can never be forgiven for so the moment that they showed up on screen in this game i was just like oh my god are we gonna see what they did and they did it oh absolutely absolutely unforgivable yeah that i had the exact same reaction as soon as i saw devil and popla i like i had to double take and realize what what are they doing here and why are they in this position like because they've they don't really have a different position in Automata. Like, they're kind of the same thing as they were in Nier, but in a completely different context. So when I see them, I'm just like, this doesn't, this still doesn't make sense. There is something really weird going on here. And then, of course, you remember, oh, yeah, they did something terrible. And then you you know you can't go through the game without finding out what they do. And I thought I was never going to know. Honest to God. Okay. Like, and that, you were just like happy. What happened? Work. Yeah, what happened completely caught me by surprise. I was not ready for that. Uh, we will talk more about Devil and Popola's atrocity when we move on. But uh, just, just like Christian, uh, the context that Jordan and I had for Devil and Popola was completely different, and that's yeah. going to be a running theme with a lot of the <laughs> things that happen in this game. Yeah, uh, is that Jordan and I show up and we're just like, oh my god. That's not what I was expecting, and uh, like especially with Emil, and we're gonna. Uh, I mean, like, heck, Christian, oh, no. why, why don't you tell us about Emil, and then I'm going to tell you why meeting him shattered both of our minds. All right. So, uh, in the game, when you first meet Emil, uh, he is afflicted with some sort of weird uh, disease, essentially, that basically gives him like Medusa powers, where if he looks at something, it's turned to stone. And in the mansion he's living in. Um, all of the attendings, minus his weird butler, uh, <laughs> are all turned to stone. Um, and you're asked there to find a way to help him via the butler. Um, when he, the butler basically gives uh, Yona, or has been like pen pals with Yona, and I guess he just knows like, oh, her her dad's probably some, you know beefy stalwart type uh he'll probably be able to help us uh even though we don't actually live in the city um so you go over there and you uh attempt to uh cure a meal and it kind of works with the power of friendship and magic mostly magic but after we have a, a middle portion of the game happen um you go into this like underground facility that's within uh, that's like uh, you know underneath the mansion which is very like hey suddenly we're in a a scientific kind of DARPA-esque like weird facility and you end up fighting Emil's sister um, who is this weird like I how do you describe it it's a doll figure essentially with a weird it's, with a weird like, like skelly a, a skelly man it's a it's a skelly man doll with a weird kind of roundish head um it is and, striking uh, it, it is, is visually very yeah. correct. Yeah. If uh, you guys do see any, uh, like I said, we were talking about earlier how Yoko Taro wears an Emil mask. Um, that is, it's it's that weird round head on a Skelly Man body. Um, it's and, really jarring. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it turns into that. really nothing <laughs> compares to like the mouth moving from that 
Cause... I was not expecting the mouth movement. <laughs> really yeah, awesome. that really caught me off. I can't believe you've done this. Now the only thing I can think of is it biting on things, and I don't want any. I don't want to bite on anything. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want to see it. I don't need it around me. <laughs> so, so, Christian, uh, Emil is, uh, survives the events of this game, and he is in near uh, near Automata. And when you meet Emil in near Automata, he is a truck. <laughs> He he is he's a car like an ice cream truck that plays ice cream truck music and has an Emil head. I love this man. I love Yokotaro. He is quite the vision uh, but, for whatever the hell he's making. <laughs> yeah, what whatever the hell is going on in that man's mind, I want more of it. But uh, specifically Emil, uh, like he his like he's a truck and like you are moved by him. Like he has like. There's so much you can tell the moment that he shows up that there's so much to this character, and uh, he is the game's only super boss. Where uh, his boss fight, he's just like, yeah, sure, yeah, we can fight, that's fine, and he makes like 15 copies of himself. <laughs> Are you talking about Automata? Yeah. Like the final fight. Yeah. Oh yeah, but like, there's so much more. He's giant. <laughs> Like, truck. when you fight him at... No, no, no. When you fight oh, him no. again, it's just his head. And there's a <laughs> bunch of them. And they're giant. And then he destroys the world. And he goes... It, it's an incredible fight. But oh, Kevin, I wanted to say something about Emil. After I played this game, he's basically Merlinus, Where in Mir, <laughs> he, he gives you all this kind of cool magic and stuff that you can have. But then in Automata, he gets the Master Seal. And then he gets wheels. Yeah, he's a meal on wheels. So, it's a uh, meal on wheels. Uh, <laughs> damn. But they have the same voice actor and everything. It's really cool. There's some really cool stuff that like now makes so much more sense because I've played the first game. And uh, like Emil is just the coolest. Uh, so we need to talk about Kayane a little bit. Uh, I really like her character and I really like her Roland story, but I wish that she didn't run around in lingerie. And that's, oh, that's because, uh, oh, I had a feeling, Christian, but it's <laughs> so impractical. There's no chance that she would be comfortable running long distances in the desert with just a camisole on. And it's especially ridiculous when, like, you compare her to the Yorha units and Automata, who are similarly, like, oversexed in their aesthetic, but they also look like they're wearing something, like, practical for everyday life. And it's just, uh, I, I, I wish that, like, she was wearing something that you could actually run around in. But otherwise, uh, Kaine is a fellow uh, person with a, biz- a bizarre disease afflicting her. I think she has a shade inside of her. Yeah, it's that's I what I got so. out of it. Was it's And she deliberately calls out her, her arm. And most of the time, we, if you actually watch her uh, her model in combat, like she you know, throws her arm out and then the magic kind of happens. Um which so I'm assuming just it's in there as opposed to um, uh, near kind of just like oh it comes from the book um, mm-hmm. for kind of I think it's like the shade in her arm gives her the power or vice versa one of the two yeah because you fight it at one point right her she's possessed a, she's a really boss yeah oh okay yeah that's her possessed by the shade inside her yeah yeah. Uh, uh, so the only thing I noticed about Kaine's character model outside of like cutscenes and things is, did you guys see that she Naruto runs? 
Yes, it's the best. Yes. <laughs> like, she throws her arms back and she yeah. she runs like a shinobi. And that it tickled me pink every time I saw it happen. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, next we get to Grimoire Vice, who is the coolest, and he's just such an asshole. Uh, <laughs> I love him. He's, I think he's... he was probably one of my favorite characters next to Emil. Yeah, and, like, is there a cooler character than a book who just massacres people with words? Uh, like, and just nobody has any time for him. Everybody is so rude to Grimoire Vice. <laughs> and like everyone has that like the first feeling of like oh it's a book that talks and then just kind of continues on <laughs> like they don't have a big revelation it's just like no it's a book that talks it's fucking just we have more shit to worry about it's so it's great he's just the best go on jordan sorry it's like at the beginning of the show when i called you a dumbass like that's the first 20 seconds like before you even get to this game it's kaine calling vice a dumbass because he's being an idiot Oh, that's thank you for bringing that up, Jordan. Uh, Christian, mm-hmm. you played this on 360, right? I did. Uh, every time you boot up the game, does the first thing that happens is uh, Vice Kaine... Dumbass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I just that really I don't think they knew how to market this game, which is why I think yeah. that happens. It, it's kind of funny though, because Kevin, I don't know if you did this with Christian, but you asked me when was the like. As I start playing, when is the first time I say the words, what the fuck? And it was 20 seconds in before I even pressed a button when Kaine does that whole thing. I was actually sitting there like, what am I doing? What is this game? Why am I playing it? And then I started the game. I was like, okay, cool. This is great. Uh, just She's just so rude. Everybody in this game is so rude except Emil. What a good boy. <laughs> Best. Uh, so uh, we've got a few cool side characters. There's the Sand Prince and his mute friend. They're both really cool. Some of the side quest characters are pretty cool, like the lighthouse lady who's just... like Everybody in this no. game is in a contest to prove who's the biggest asshole. Yeah, no. Lighthouse lady is the worst. I hope she dies a slow and painful death. She dies in the Black Scroll, dude. Hell yeah. That's the, <laughs> that's the business right there. Uh, you also have Emil's butler, who I was, every time he was on screen, I thought there was going to be some big reveal that he's like actually a ghost or something. <laughs> I was starting for that shit too. I was like, either he's a ghost or he's actually the big bad in disguise the whole ass time. Like I was waiting for shit like that. Yeah, every, every time he's on screen, he's just so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, as far as the big bad goes, there's also the Shadow Lord, who is kind of a character, and Grimoire Noir, who's kind of a character, but they're not really present in the story, so they just seem to be generically villainous from the hero's perspective. And, um, we have the Shades, who are these kind of, like, omnipresent threat that are, like, mysterious shadow monsters that are just floating around, always ready to mess you up. Well, I mean, we uh, know what they end up being at the end, though. Which is kind of disturbing. That's what you've been killing for the whole game. And yeah. It's like, everything about this game, like, it's it's uh, it's a little bit like The Last Guardian, where, like, as soon as you get to the ending, like, the, the perspective that you get... Because uh, I, how I feel about this game and The Last Guardian is that they don't cheat. You always know that something wrong is going on. 
You yeah. always know that something is not right. You always know that this is not as that this is not what it seems. So when they reveal what's actually been going on, you can say like, "Gee, that was really disturbing." Mm. And uh, I like it when games have that big kind of reveal that's that's woven into what's been going on the whole time. And this game does that really well. Uh, so I think that the best part of this game is how deftly it constructs all of its characters. Mm. And I didn't immediately like Kainang. I didn't immediately like Vice. I didn't immediately like Papaneer. But they all grow on you. And mm. it's really refreshing to just be in good hands. And the, the characters are deep. And the game isn't in a hurry to convince you. It knows that you'll form your own opinions. It knows the game just is confident. Uh, you will enjoy this experience. And that's yeah. just really refreshing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. The, the character development is, is very top-notch for it. Um, as you're saying, uh, uh, Vice is a very kind of self-assured character. And he very much keeps that, you know, through line for himself uh, until at the you know, I mean, I'd say even through the very end, um, just, you know, it's detrimental as it may be to be to have, you know, the um actually person as a character with you the entire time <laughs> you, you're in the game. It's, you know, he's a fun he's fun to have around as a uh, as someone who's supposed to know more than you do to help you get through the bits. They're like, oh, this is story. This is really story heavy. And I don't know what they're going for. Uh, the book will tell me. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, and you yeah. find out so much that like he doesn't actually know everything. Yeah. Like, almost in every fun. place you go, he, he actually can't figure out the, the puzzle. Like when you go into the forest and he's mm. as afflicted by what's going on as you are. And he, yeah. he freaks out through that whole event. Yeah. So yeah. The, the text adventure part of this game was magnificent. <laughs> That's what I wanted to jump in and say is like the fact, like I know like when we introduced it and you know, when it's like pushed on there, it's like, Oh, it's a fantasy, you know, action game. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, we have a text adventure bit twice, technically, through the game. Um, it has elements of bullet hell in there. So uh, much schmuck. It's like, yeah, exactly. There's just like, it's, don't let whatever like is labeled on a game, uh, for this game in particular, uh, that kind of say, like, oh, it's, it's, it's going to be this. It's not. Uh, it's so many more things. This game does not abide by your descriptions. Correct, yes. It does not give a shit about that. So it's just, it's a fun game that tries whatever they think is going to be cool at the time for this bit. Absolutely. Uh, mm. uh, I have an incredibly difficult question for the two of you. Mm. Sure. Uh, who is the best character in this game? Emil or Vice? Emil. I'm going to say probably Emil as well. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Emil's a really... There's a lot going on with his character. Um, Emil um, is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Just oh, see, I, I I expected you guys to like have to think on this one, not for Jordan to just be like Emil. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is so, like yeah. straight up. Like, like he, is a fun he, character, but Emil's Emil's much. There, there's so much. There's so much depth to Emil. Yeah, and like Vice kind of grows up a little bit by the end but his character doesn't need to develop he like develops himself into moving out of his bad parts but emil just develops entirely like completely from start to finish emil is a 100 percent in every facet different human being and <laughs> not even human at really at the end <laughs> but um i do have one small thing to say about emil that hurt me is when you do the time skip 
he doesn't change. Oh, like, so uh, I I noticed that I I pointed that out to Rosie. Do you know why? Why? Because he's not human. Okay, that makes sense. That they does like, make sense. They like built. Sorry, I didn't mean to like yell at you. That was that wasn't angry. That was an excitement. Yeah. Um. Uh. But like, yeah, he didn't age because they they built him like 150 years ago or whatever. Right. Yeah, that is true. So and it 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 genuinely bothered me. And as soon as I went into the basement, I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, he didn't age because he's not real. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that does make more sense. I don't it know also, why I didn't pick up on that too. Now that I think about it. Yeah, uh, I know that this this game doesn't really beg. Excuse me, this game does beg the question, but like, mm. a meal's alive, but a meal doesn't have a soul. Yeah. That's kind well, of. Well, are you are you sure about that? A meal might have a soul. Maybe he does. Uh, well, I mean, he has a sister. Like, were they born and then modified? Yeah, they were human at one point. Yeah, they, they, I didn't believe they they grew them. I think it was uh, like they were born, but they had like some sort of potential that they tapped into. Mm. They were androidified. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like like we talked about a little bit earlier. Like, uh, I I don't know if any of what happens in this game is literal. Yeah. <laughs> and like at, at, at the end of the day, it works. And mm. like that that like the most important part is that like. A meal is a meal, and like he, like he, this, this game, this game just doesn't play by any rules. None, absolutely uh, none. It's a, it's a wild ride from start to finish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the three of us only reached ending A. So, uh, there's this is the first of five different endings, and I believe that E. Uh, finishes at a different point is like further on in the story. Like they're not all kind of like linear, like horizontally. Uh, it's kind of like a diagonal. So I believe that ending B takes place after ending A, and ending E takes place after ending D, for instance. But I do think that like uh, similar to Nier Automata, I believe that they are from different perspectives. I know that you play as Kaine uh, after you finish the campaign as Nier. So. Uh, I'd be I'm I'm planning to play those when I'm off work uh, for Christmas. But um, uh, yeah, this game's just wild. The story is wild. Um, everything that goes on in it is crazy. But the emotional core and the characters are all tremendously strong. So it just doesn't seem to be important to Yoko Taro to make everything clearly explainable because you understand what's happening, even if you can't like write down what's happening. Uh, so on to story stuff, if we want to kind of trek through, uh, what does go on in the game. Uh, the game has a cold open with, um, near, not the near that we play as, and not the Yona that we, uh, that Nier's daughter is. Different near and different Yona, but they are the same. Chew on that for a little while. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so they're like in a skyscraper or a mall or some, some kind like, of... bombed out sort of... Like uh, yeah, like it almost seems like a, it's like a, either a parking lot, like a small parking lot, or something like that. The way I looked at it, um, to like maybe like a I don't know, almost like a gas station style like supermarket. Yeah, like a convenience store. And yeah. uh, so Nier goes out to fight some shades to protect them, and when he comes back, uh, he finds that Yona did a suspicious deal with a suspicious grimoire, uh, and it looks like she did it for a couple of cookies. And <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and 
And then there is a time skip to 1300 years later, and we see Nir and Yona again, and this time they're in a house, and she has this weird word disease called the Black Scrawl. And it's like, I was really jarred by the fact that there was 1300 years in between that moment and uh, where the game starts. So you just, you know right away. It's like, um, uh, <laughs> what? It's just good. I, I like, uh, if you can get me questioning what the hell is going on from the from the, from the beginning, it's uh, you know, we're in for we're in for a fun ride. Yeah, mm. it's definitely honestly a great opening because mm. you you have enough context to realize like what my favorite part about the beginning is you go straight to level thirty. Like that fight put me in a position to where I mean, like I'm sure all of you guys did, but mm-hmm. you you fight this really long battle where it's just endless shades because you're protecting Yona. Um, in this dumpy out, like, <laughs> whatever it is, gas station. Mm-hmm. And pretty much how it teaches you how to play is you kill a couple of them and then you quickly gain a level. And then you learn a new magic, which you will learn later on in the game. But it, as soon as that happened, as soon as I got to level 30, I could not figure out what actually was going on. It's like, <laughs> I've never seen this in a game. I've never learned a game like this in this way. And then you get that cutscene, and then you immediately go 1,300 years into the future. And I was just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was going to happen from then on out. It didn't make sense. And you're suddenly playing as the same guy again. Yeah, and then level just, one, for no reason. Yeah, it's so weird. It's cool, though. I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like this. Uh, after the time skip... Uh, Nier starts going on little quests around town to try to earn money so that he can pay rent and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and uh, he eventually chases after Yona to this ancient tower. And at the top of it, he meets a talking book named Grimoire Vice, uh, who Popola explains is prophesized to eliminate the Black Scroll. And they need to find enough of these magical words called sealed verses. And once they do, uh, Grimoire Vice will be able to um, achieve uh, his prophesized elimination of Black Scroll. Maximum power. Yes, he achieves yeah. Nirvana and everything's correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you, uh, so the two of you together go out questing for verses, and uh, you fight a giant shade alongside this outcast named Kaine, uh, who we just talked about earlier. And uh, she decides to join up with them because she has a shade inside of her and she's kind of curious to see if the um, sealed verses will heal her too. I think that's what her intentions are. I don't know if she ever explicitly says any of that. I don't think she explicitly says anything, but that does appear to be the the look of it. Um, that and, I mean, Kaine's, like you were saying earlier, she's an outcast. The village that she's from wholeheartedly rejects her like doesn't even come outside their buildings as long as they know that she's around um and that's a a, a running theme for her she i think she doesn't go in any of this the other cities that you any. Improve. yeah she just doesn't go inside them even like uh it, for the the sand city like she's kind of accepted by the, the she's a local uh, legend yeah she, exactly she's a local legend that people know about her uh, but she's like nah i'm not gonna fuck with that <laughs> <laughs> so she just she has this this uh it borders on a complex but you know with good reason of no one wants to actually be around her so she you know kind of does things on her own but you're also a big gruff dad who's trying to get rid of all the black scrawl so hopefully you'll help yeah and i, I like that kind of um is kind of like 
secretly good. Like, mm. like don't, don't, don't tell anybody that I'm doing a nice thing. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. I love that bit so much. <laughs> yeah, like, I have a reputation to maintain. Oh, every time. <laughs> so good. Uh, so you do some more quests. You end up at a seaside town. Uh, you go to this junkyard where these little boys have lost their mom. Uh, you you visit this town where uh, the world has been turned into a text adventure. Uh, you visit this mysterious <laughs> desert city, and they all revere Kaine because she once saved somebody. And I liked the desert town. I think the desert town, other than like the text adventure uh, forest town, is probably the coolest part of the game. But the desert town is awesome, and I love their rules. Like they're just my kind of people. Where it's like you, you must go around the cliff. Like it, it's 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 crazy shit. Like um, yeah, you must go around the town clockwise and see every site before any of the shopkeepers will trade with you. And that's like law, like three thousand seven hundred and nineteen. And like this little girl knows all of them. She can tell you any one of them. Like you could ask her like what's rule thirty eight, and she'd be like, can't go outside with just your left shoelaces tied. Yeah, which is a feat because, like, they have, if I counted correctly, over 130,000 rules. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that. That sounds about right. That's bananas. And, and uh, she knows them all? She knows them all. She knows, she knows, knows every them all single one. Yeah, because you're supposed to. Can't, you can't have a, an orderly city without uh, 130,000 <laughs> rules. Uh, so you end up saving the prince uh, in a sweet dungeon that's focused on those arbitrary rules. So like you have to do things like um, go through a platforming section, uh, but you can't jump. Or like uh, fight monsters that can only be damaged uh, with magic without magic and stuff like that. And it's it's amusing. And the way that you like the ways that you get around the rules are fun. And I thought that dungeon was really good. The dungeon is really good. Uh, so eventually you get enough of these verses, and I think Emil's uh, mansion has the last one. So you go to Emil's mansion, you meet with him and his creepy butler, uh, and you fight Grimoire Noir, who I don't remember how he's in Emil's mansion. Is he just like, does, I think, I think Grimoire Vice, or yeah, Grimoire Noir has the final verse, I think. Yeah, Anybody he's sealed that? in the bookcase. So do and- I think it's that um, when just like the fact that Vice is there with Emile's like affliction being in because what I could glean is that Grimoire Noir was the thing that's haunting the um, mansion and that he's like leaking out shades, but he's not like fully there yet. But as soon as Vice is in the room, it kind of like unseals something and then he comes to like full physical power. Right, because at the end of, I would say like at the end of the game, but they have a a non-physical form. And so I would think that Grimoire Noir was always in that mansion. He just needed to find the physical form that he was. And then he obviously had his book in that mansion. So he took his physical form at that moment. That all makes sense to me. Something interesting that happens when you fight Grimoire Noir and the Shadow Lord all of the times that you do it is as you fight them, they level up. And I love that because that happens in Nier Automata too uh, in a few fights that I won't spoil. But uh, like there, there are some characters that you fight who are like big story important bosses. And every time that you confront them, uh, they become more powerful while you're fighting them until you have no choice but to run away. Yeah. And 
I just I really like when games incorporate gameplay and like video game mechanics into scenarios where like you as the player have to put together that like no you can't beat this guy like he's like there's there's nothing you can do. It's fun to see like basically the the yeah that ludo narrative synchronicity where like you you know you're playing a video game so you're gonna be leveling up. But the theory would be at the same time, like, yeah, but the things fighting you, they could also level up if they were, you know, maybe human-esque sort of things. Like, that'd be, that's, those are fun ideas. Absolutely. Or, have, or perhaps fighting something the same level as them. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, once you have all the verses, um, uh, the shades kind of, like, rise up. And attack the town that Nier and Popola and Devola and Yona all live in. So you have to fight this giant, um, giant, giant, giant shade that is like bigger than a skyscraper, <laughs> and a really cool fight. And uh, eventually, uh, the heroes end up inside of Popola's library, and you have to keep fighting it until eventually it's locked in this cabinet, basically. And then the Shadow Lord shows up with Grimoire Noir, and um, it, uh, Grimoire Noir explains that he and Vice are kind of like two halves of the same whole, and that they were created to serve the Shadow Lord, and um, Grimoire Noir beats up Grimoire Vice, um, the Shadow Lord uh, beats up Nier and then kidnaps Yona, uh, Kaine is holding the cabinet that the evil shade was stuck in, and then Emil uh, has no choice but to turn uh, Kaine into stone so that they can keep the uh, shade in there because they have no chance of defeating it. And uh, everything goes really, really, really bad for our heroes, and it's sweet. And I thought that that was uh, one of the coolest moments in the game. It's just oh, that, yeah. like everything that could possibly have gone wrong went even worse than it possibly could have went. Yeah, we had. Uh, essentially the mid part of the story and we've hit our emotional nadir. It's uh, very good writing. Uh, do you guys want to take a two minute break? Sure. Sure. Because amuse yourselves. I'll be back in two. God, the game was fun as fuck, dude. Near. Yeah. Yeah. You, I incredibly surprised you have not played automata. Like this is the yeah. reason we played near. Yeah. Uh, I think when you pick up automata, you, this is, for you, it's going to be interesting because, like, we're kind I'll of going back playing and playing a, like, playing a, a technically worse version. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, right? 2010 versus 2017. Yeah. But, you, like, you're straight upgrading to the nicest <laughs> feeling version. I think you're going to go through all the endings. Yeah. By the way, there's a lot of endings. No, there's uh, 26 of them? Yeah. Well, okay. Kind of. Them. Like... I would say that there's seven ish like real final endings. Oh, okay. Like, and then the others that, are just you. That end the game. Well, kinda, yeah. Like there's an <laughs> ending for falling off a bridge. <laughs> there's an ending <laughs> for if you go to Pascal and like finish Pascal's quest, then there's an ending for that. But that's kind of really easy stuff that you can just do. So I, I am surprised that you're you haven't played Automata yet. I said I didn't mean to. It was just one of those like every time I'm like, oh, I'm gonna start pick up and start playing Anamata. Uh, I know that I'm gonna, you know, much like Fire Emblem, I'm gonna throw myself bodily into this thing, and I want to be in the right mindset. I want to make sure that I have nothing else, you know, on my plate in front of me uh, when I go and do it. Uh, that and I kind of I really wanted to play, you know, 
the first near to kind of give myself better context for um on tomatoes so um that's what i wanted to do like originally i just like, i'll never beat near them you guys approach me and it's like hey do you want to play this and like yeah i'll play near and then i'll go play near on a later on great um, hello boys big c i've got a great one for you yeah. you watch critical role right i d- i've seen like two or three episodes uh and i i do know that uh two of the people on critical role do voice uh, it's, it's Kaine and uh, it's Kaine Vice. and Vice yeah yeah, yeah. which I thought was which fun. Kevin if you didn't know that's that's a fun little fact oh that's fun splice that into the podcast somewhere because that's fun yeah. I, didn't, I, I, I would never have known that I don't even know what that is yeah uh, yeah. Laura Bailey voices Kaine and then uh, I can't remember uh, his name Liam O'Brien little, Liam O'Brien there we go yeah, yeah. he voices uh, Vice which uh, Liam I mean for Vice you know I can't think of any of the games right now but i know i've heard his voice before and well he's he's everything like he's yeah. gara he's um war from darksiders he's mm-hmm. Gollum in middle earth uh yeah. yasuo in league like he's he's everywhere yeah he's all over the place and laura bailey too yeah laura bailey's got got a bunch of things going on um yeah. but anyway we should get to now that kevin's back back to the uh the show this is good shit so after the heroes lose, there's a time skip. I think it's like seven years, and uh, everything's gotten awful. Uh, so Nier uh, has a face mask now. Uh, is there anything different about Vice? I, uh, I don't know if book. I paid attention. Yeah, I don't think there's anything different. I think he's just still a book. He's still a book, and he's still an asshole. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so you go to meet Emil, who I think says that he has an idea on how to save Kaine. So um, you futz around in his mansion until you find uh, this secret lab underneath it that Christian mentioned. And uh, suddenly this game goes into like Resident Evil endgame horror stuff where it's just like there was a lab under the mansion the entire time. But that's that's kind of the whole thing with the mansion, because when you you know, it's a yeah. it's a free camera like action game when you're playing it, you know, out in the overworld and almost everywhere else. Uh, and then when you get into the mansion, it's fixed camera, like it would be like a Resident Evil game. And then you have the lab underneath the mansion. <laughs> yeah, uh, very much which is, is a top-down. Yeah, it's so cool. The way that yeah. they use cameras for all of these levels is is almost different every time. Kevin, there was another thing about what happens after the time skip is when you get in, uh, Near now has the ability to use many different weapons, whereas in the beginning of the game you kind of just had magic and I think it's one-handed swords. Yeah. Yeah. Where now you can use spears, two-handed swords, I think it's daggers, and one-handed swords. But you you get a whole new kit of weapons that you can use now. Yeah. He becomes our adept rogue, essentially, uh, for all of our uh, <laughs> .hack people who have played. Um, with I'm the only one laughing played. in the yeah. entire world. <laughs> in the entire world. <laughs> a few people, people who listen to this podcast would be like, maybe one other person would be like, oh, I get that. <laughs> Well, I, I, Jordan, you're absolutely right. I think that, I mean, it's almost like near classes up in mm. between the time skip. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. Especially, so that was one of the things that I started with, is on the box he has the mask. And I I knew that there was some point in the game where he would get the mask, and I didn't know when. And at the same time, I guess if you look at the box, you see some other things about the characters that change. But um that was like the turning point moment. I was like, when's he going to look cool? Come on, game. 
And uh, wearing wearing half a face mask is definitely a hot dab move. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with them sandals. Yeah. Oh, man. The look is so complete with the mask now. <laughs> you can see everything. Yeah. And, like, the sandals are so good. Dude, he's like a sexy samurai. It's great. Yeah. I love, I love the aesthetic of near the character. Yeah. So... Oh, so you go through this, like, horror lab, and you find Emil's sister, who's, like, stapled to the wall with spears. And you just get this, you get this feeling as soon as you look at her that's like, this is very dangerous, and we should not be here. Emil frees his sister, and then she eats him. And then uh, Nier beats up this monstrosity until Emil can, like, take control of its mind. And then Emil can harness his own magic powers with his sister. So the two of them together are like a symbiosis. And now Emil is a wizard wearing a cape who flits around and he's sweet. Won't disagree with that. But this is also the point where, um, you know, Emil becomes the Skelly Man. Because part of this, he's just a, he's just a kid. He's just a little boy with a, with a, with a blindfold on. Um, so think 9S, but small, um, like just small boy. Um and then, like so this, when he combines with his sister, um, that's when he becomes the 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 skelly man with the, spook the man. <laughs> yeah, the spook man uh, that has the uh, essentially uh, the the moon from a Medora's mask as a as a face. <laughs> yeah, and he and, is just like skeleton in a cape, and he's so sad. He yes. doesn't like that this is who he is, and. Um, one thing, so, uh, like, Papa Nier is kind of everybody's dad. And I love the way that he just dads everyone. And he's when a, Emil's sad and he's like, I don't like, this is my body now. Uh, and Papa Nier is just like, well, son, like, your body changes sometimes. And everything's <laughs> going to be okay. That's like, totally it, too. He's yeah, so, he really is. <laughs> but it's so it's so nice and it's such a nice moment and the um uh it's almost like emil becomes near his surrogate son uh especially after that moment where like emil is just like no you guys are my best friends i can trust you you can look at me as a skeleton and like <laughs> everything's fine and i love that and it just mm. it 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 was a really nice moment which playing on that kevin like, that makes me really want to play the replicant version because, you know, he is everyone's dad and he has these moments with Kaine and Emil that are like that. I mm-hmm. wonder what would it would be like if it was not the dad but the brother. Like, what kinds of things would he say instead to, I guess, cheer up these characters? Because it can't yeah. be anything the same. He, he can't be like a 45-year-old beefy dad who's saying like, oh, don't worry, son. Like, he, you're absolutely right. He needs to come at it from a different angle. And it's it's so weird that they chose to make two different versions of the same game. Yeah. Uh, so Emil, now that he has harnessed all of his magic powers, um, uh, you guys go and, like, rescue Kaine. He brings her back to life. And then uh, you beat up the shade. Oh, uh, something else that's really nice is that Kaine just looks at Emil and she's just like, oh, hi, Emil. How are you? Yeah, and <laughs> super like, good. Um, it reminds me of uh, the, the good Fullmetal Alchemist show when uh, Hohenheim looks over at uh, Al and he's just like, oh, hi, Al. Like, it's, it's like I, I haven't seen you since you were a baby. And um, it's just like 
the the original Full Metal Alchemist is so much better than Brotherhood. <laughs> yeah, but like it is something to say about that kind of character interaction where no matter what yeah. body you have, you still know who the person is. Yeah. Absolutely. And the way that Kaine just looks over and she's just like, Yeah, of course, you're my friend. Why wouldn't I recognize you? And it's just so nice. I just everybody in this game is so nice. I like all of them. I want them all to be my friends. <laughs> You learn that the Shadow Lord is in his, like, shadow palace in that ancient tower that you found uh, Grimoire Vice in. So um, Popola explains that you need to find these magic keys, and then you'll be able to enter the Shadow Lord's palace. And uh, if it didn't ring alarm bells when Popola knew all about the sealed verses, it should definitely be ringing alarm bells that she knows all about these magic keys and can read this magic map and seems to know a little bit more than somebody who just happens to live in a library. Uh, that was the first thing for me that was just like, where, where like there was like a big ringing bell in the back of my mind. I didn't see it like that because I, I don't know. I just, I trusted Devil and Popola so much. Um, I know it is kind of like an obvious red flag now. Like obvious, when you get to the end, you're like, oh man, I should have been thinking this the whole time. But you kind of trust that uh, Devil, or I'm sorry, Popola, is a librarian like has read probably all these books and knows all about these things and it it would i to me it made sense that she just kind of knew it but you're right it would be a red flag because that's kind of what happens at the end um, yeah I, I wasn't just like sitting waiting for signs of betrayal by the way like i i was i was playing the game like anybody else but that that was just like when that happened i was just like how does she know how these keys work Right, and my initial reaction was just like, oh yeah, she's the librarian. She probably read it in a book somewhere. Mm. So uh, you go back to all of the different places where you found sealed verses, and now they have keys there instead, because this game is not actually that big. <laughs> and uh, uh, you, what's, what's interesting about it is that you get to see how much worse things have actually gotten or can get. And everywhere that you go, things are terrible. Uh, you go back to the scrapyard, and um, the one of the brothers is dead, and uh, like oh, the God. the, bro the yeah, brother who's there is just like won't dude, that was so himself. gruesome. Yeah, like so, Jesus. He gets killed by a machine on screen, and it's bad. It's not cool, and it's like every everywhere that you go, things are just worse, and they do a really good job of it, and. Um, like, you go back to the, the village that Kaine is from, and um, they've been over... Like, they've all turned into shades. And there's, like, character models that don't make sense for that village walking around. And, like, you can walk up to, like, shopkeepers and stuff. And these people have never been outside. No time in the game have you been able to see any of these villagers. So, like, you walk in and it feels wrong. I think the music is different. Yeah. And... yeah. Just like it's really cool to see that like everything has just kind of gone off the rails in this after this time skip. Eventually, you get all of the keys, and then you go to the Shadow Lord's palace. And um, when you get through the key door, you find Devil and Popola, and they explain that they are that they were constructed to supervise the unification of replica bodies that were designed to outlive the Black Scroll, and that they have been safeguarding human souls to keep them safe so that they can put the souls back into people's bodies. 
So the near that you've been playing as this whole game is just an empty shell that is meant to house his soul when uh, the, black, the Black Scrawl has been eliminated. And they look at you and they why don't you just go home? And we don't have to do anything. Like, you can just leave. Please leave. And uh, Nier can't can't do that. So you have to beat up Devil and Popola. Yeah. And it if you go all the way to... I think it was the first part in the forest. Um, they kind of allude to this. Where uh, they talk about the bodies of people, like, being empty. And how that's one of the reasons that, like, everyone can be afflicted by, like, this word curse that, like, is basically putting them into their dreams. And that it's them finding whatever it is that they needed to solve their dream puzzle. Which, I mean, you do as part of the text adventure. But it's kind of like, even when they do, they're still empty inside. And then, of course, when you go back to the forest the second time, the answer is to be put into a shell. Mm. And you also learn the second time that the shades have feelings, that the shades have thoughts, the shades are alive. Yeah. And um, that, like, eventually you learn from Devil and Popola that all of the shades that have been running around are kind of like corrupted souls that didn't safeguard well enough. So they've been stomping around, kind of unleashing terrible hate on the world because they're broken now. And they have no place to go because their replicas have either been destroyed over the time or the set of the other thing. And I'm not really sure what Devil and Popola's endgame is. Like, how do they measure their success? And that it's, it kind of just, like, adds a little bit to the horror of what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, they were clearly the wrong people to pick for this job. Terrible creatures. Terrible, terrible yeah. creatures. Uh, so after Emil sacrifices himself to protect you from uh, Popola... Is it Devil or Popola that does the big spell? Uh, Popola, because Popola. Yeah, Devil was the one who was trying to comfort uh, to comfort Popola because she was really upset that Devil was uh, basically just like, nah, nah, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah, they 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 do know that what they're doing is wrong, or at yeah. the very least, once they're confronted, they understand that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. But. Um, so Kaine and Nier, uh, confront the Shadow Lord, who looks just like Nier at this point, and Yona is much older, and she seems different. Like, you can just, the way that she's talking, I think they even have a different voice actress, but, uh, Yona is now a different person than, uh, the person that was kidnapped, and after a very difficult battle, because the, uh, Grimoire Vice can't participate in the combat. So uh, Nier takes down his shadow self, and then um, uh, his shadow self, uh, the soul, I believe the soul departs, and when the soul departs, the soul from Yona also chooses to give her body back to the replica. And then the game fades out, and, like, Kaine and Nier kind of talk for a sec, but, like, that's basically the end of the game, is that, like, Nier and Yona's souls are just gone now. Well, yeah, and then the shells, like, go on and live the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. In your post credit scene, uh, of you see the, you know, the the replicant uh, near Yona just kind of sitting in, you know, the kind of grassy fields that you have in uh, your primary city. And then you have, like, a, a brief glimpse of the uh, the souls or the gestalt um, uh, near Yona's. Um, 
kind of like holding hands but it's, it's very quick it's like maybe at most like 30 frames it's like oh they're together oh gone okay cool Wait, here's the rest of the credits yeah and the, the game it's it this that might not make complete sense but uh it's um it works it's just like a really warm bath of emotion and it really works mm-hmm. so uh, i like the you, ending. you completed your mission yeah i said it's, it's a good first ending because it really does kind of give you like you know oh you completed your mission you know, you've got exactly what you wanted out of it. Um, you know, it, it's how that feel good. But I think it's as soon as you, you know, you kind of let that, you know, kind of wash over you. Uh, you do realize that it's like, yeah, but if you're just shells and your souls were, you know, the real, quote unquote, the real people there, you know, what you did wasn't exactly, you know, it was good for you as a character. But overall, in the, in the, for like the game world, it wasn't exactly great. Um, and then, you know, Kaine's story is, uh, as we probably alluded to earlier, is purposely left kind of uh, unsolved. You know, when she does have a, a few parting words with uh, uh, with Nier, it is basically saying, you know, Nier is saying, hey, you could live with us. You can come with us. We can live as a family. And, and she's like, I have my own shit to worry mm-hmm. about. And, you know, fucks off. Um, so it's, you know, it's... Uh, uh, the NEA is, I think, very bittersweet, um, and I'm not saying that I might have read up on the other endings, um, but it, it is the happiest ending for what we have. <laughs> is it really? It, uh, from yeah. My, uh, I, personal I perspective, yes. I read a little yes. bit about them, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, uh, I'm definitely going to play the, re- the rest of those, because I really want to find out how Emil turned into a truck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I like, So... As, oh, I mean, don't 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 spoil it for me, please, because like I really want to. I I would really like to see what other what what juice is left in this orange. Mm-hmm. But it is it is deeply amusing to me that uh, like seriously, Christian, he's a truck. <laughs> I just can't get over. It. No, he's a truck. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Yeah, he is. He and he sells stuff. <laughs> he sells. Yeah, really he's stuff. a truck salesman. <laughs> yes, he's a merchant that has like an ice cream truck on the place. <laughs> all right uh, uh Kotaro, please you're such an intelligent just a, a an interesting man he's a visionary <laughs> he's truly a visionary <laughs> so um there's not really much else to talk about but let's let's kind of run through because uh so the the combat in this game i think is pretty clunky and the magic is really only satisfactory when used like the charge mechanics uh what did uh, you guys think I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to agree with you for the most part on it. Um, I want to uh, kind of subdivide movement in there only because I write, I want to call it the movement for being really good. It's really fast. Yeah. Uh, like the entire time you feel like, you you know, it's not like the other, you know, kind of games that are, you know, action based that I've run into where it's, you know, even though you're this, you know, supposed to be this fantasy hero, you move so fucking slow. Uh, you're fast the entire time. Um and the only thing to kind of counteract that is any other fast travel systems they have in place, like with the uh, the boar riding, the sand fountain transport, uh, that kind of stuff. Like I found myself not, to some extent, because like, it actually gets you over like actual long ass distances. Yeah. Um, but like the the boar and the uh, the sand pit travel, it's supposed to kind of get you between like you know basically you know one like city to another. But because it's not done instantaneously, really. Um, I found it easier just to basically spam evade 
and that kind of got me there faster. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is it's still fine because like he already moves fast to begin with, so the advantage is it's only a slightly faster than what is supposed to be their fast travel system. Uh, so, so the movement I think in this game is, is very fluid, very fun. Um, for it, it still it gives you plenty of room uh, in terms of like trying to like jump over and traverse things to kind of break the game, which is fun. Uh, anytime it lets you, the game lets you do that instead of hitting you with invisible walls. Um, but the combat, um, do, I think, does take some getting used to um, when you realize that the only reason why you should be using two-handed swords is on enemies that aren't immediately going to stun like your ass, like because you can just like two-shot them. Like that's what you use the sword, the big sword for. Um, and there's almost no reason to use a spear except for in the last dungeon oh. to to not get run over by the boar. Like that's it. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, because, uh, see, I used the spear the entire time. Oh really? Used, yeah, phoenix spear. Like as soon as. Oh yeah, so, I used the phoenix spear too. Yeah. Yeah, I used yeah, it I, almost I think it, exclusively. I think it has the most attack power of any weapon that I saw, and it was like. When I could finally upgrade weapons again uh, after the time skip, I had everything I needed to upgrade the Phoenix Spear to, like, level 4 or something. Okay. So it was, like, I, I had, like, two or 300 more attack than whatever the next best weapon was. Okay. And That's just, like, yeah. crushed yeah. everything that I fought after. Um, yeah. I think the uh, what I had instead be my primary weapon uh, in terms of, like, raw attack damage um, was... Uh, was it the... The beast slayer or whatever the two-handed the two-handed sword that you can buy from the 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 seaport. Um, I only upgraded that once, but I felt that yeah, this basically just cleaves the fuck out of anything in front of me. Like I wanted to use a spear a lot, um, but I kept being like, well, I mean, it doesn't have a whole lot of it doesn't have a whole lot of wave clear. Also, how long did it take you guys uh, to realize that? I guess for you guys it would be triangle. Uh, actually, did a thing. Uh, after the time skip. Uh, oh, cause like I I futz around with controllers a lot. Like, okay. I, I frequently was mashing uh, the, the triangle button, expecting something better to happen. But as soon as the time skip comes, uh, it becomes your charge attack. And I was just like, yep, 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 just going to do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, so if you do it right, and that's kind of, like, why I use spears, is you can do, like, three or four attacks, hit triangle, and then go straight back into doing more attacks. Like, there is no cooldown. You can just have basically endless attack if you do that specific sequence. No, and no. usually if you do that specific sequence, when they're in a defensive stance, they'll break, and then you just do double damage. So I I really never had a problem with enemies, especially having the Phoenix Spear. But you just play that way, throw throw some charge attacks into it, and then everything really just good. falls at your feet. Yeah. All right, well, I guess uh, there is some some deeper variance than I guess we you know might have let on with uh, the combat. The combat feels, so that's, in terms of movement, this is a 2010 game. Movement feels ahead of its time for 2010. 100%. But the combat feels like a little bit behind, I would say like 2005-ish combat. Kind of like early early PS3, late PS2 combat style. Mm. Where everything is, and oh man, I wish this game had lock-on. I I can't tell you how many times I wanted to lock onto something. I still remember the first time that I played uh, Bloodborne online with you, Jordan. Uh, you were watching me fight something, and you said, how do you orient your character to an enemy? And you specifically used that phrase. And I was just like, there's a lock-on. And like you, like, you just started swearing. <laughs> yeah. 
and it was just like and, and like I, I think i texted you a day or two after and you're just like yeah so i just beat like four bosses because now i know how the game <laughs> works gosh I, God, that kind of stuff is so hilarious it's, i a different buddy of mine what just started playing uh ocarina of time the original one uh through an emulator and he hates the fact that you know if he wants to do anything he has to try to z target stuff and i was like that's a godsend on, on some of these games, being able to target something, just like, this, this is all I want. Glad we got How there. How does somebody have a problem with Z-targeting? Like, it's, uh, it's He amazing. can't handle it. Yeah, no, he can't handle it. And I'm like, it's, it, like, once you get a hold of it, it'll be fine. But he's like, I can't do it. I, he's just not used to it. But it's just, it's, you know, it's so weird to hear, like, you know, this is, our bitching point is the fact we don't have something that, you know, Ocarina of Time fucking had, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Katara, go back to 1998. God damn. Read up on how games yeah. work. I mean... I mean, I mean, we we have it temporarily uh, with the the charged up uh, Darklands uh, magic attack, which is I almost want to swear it's the only magic worth having. If it wasn't for the fact that uh, was it uh, Dark Fist or whatever, uh, Dark Hand. Uh, oh, I yeah, I think I think I had Dark Hand, Lance, and the Pea Shooter as kind of like my my three go arounds. Yeah, blast is worth it because you, you literally like if you just hold down the, ma- the use magic button, it doesn't actually deplete your magic bar entirely. So you're like, all right, cool. Even if I don't actually have magic, I can still use dark blast. Um, well, everything else like you know the um, <laughs> the yeah. fist mechanic. The fist mechanic is fantastic. Using dark lance is it, it's basically like, hey, I need to hit one specific target like four times, so I might as well just lance the shit out of it. Yeah, uh, hold still hold. for two minutes while I stack up six lances. Yeah, well, I mean, time slows down, so for what uh, for us, it's two minutes, but in-game, it's like, you know, five seconds. Magic is fine in this game. It's nothing fantastic, but they definitely give you too many options for what you're just going to turn into. Like, it's going to be Lance and Fist and probably Dark Fist. <laughs> yeah, uh, so you also get different, like, words that are modifiers for your spells and weapons. So, like, you go into the menu, and, like, you, it's, like, the basically, like, Fusro Da, and you get to pick different combinations of those to, like, do extra damage or increase item drop rates or stun enemies. And there's nothing really too interesting or crazy about them, but they're useful. And it's it's kind of a nice reward when you're uh, grinding for silver so that you can upgrade the Phoenix Spear again. You're right, you're right. I, I want to say, I think I've, I put on the increased item drop rate, and then never really looked at the system again. Like, I, I, really? I wanted to, but I never really bothered with it, um, just because I felt like, uh, I mean, I can just, you know, be liberal with my evade maneuver, and I should be fine. Uh, yeah, I used experience for almost all of mine. Experience hmm. in uh, magic regen speeds, because I wanted, like, a little bit later in the game, depending on your level, magic just does not refresh fast. It does no, not. It's it just slow it down. Yeah, so I think I think that uh, I used like weapon damage increase and um, item drop, mm-hmm. and then like uh, magic damage increase and magic regen replenishment or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like it's it, it, like the magic in this game only feels bad because like there's nothing you can do to rely like to reliably be a spellcaster. So yeah, like That's you, it. You, you're kind of just obligated to beat people up. Uh, I mean, Nier's character, yeah. the whole way he 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 plays, you know, is or and looks in, essentially, um, is definitely geared toward more of a you know hack and slash style character. Um, Which is so just, funny too, because like some fights you have to use only magic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, those are the fights where like I wouldn't consider them. They're not, they're not even hard. It's just a little bit tedious to do. 
if you yeah. don't if you, if you don't have like the mana region um equipped right now uh then like yeah those heights are a little bit tedious um but they're not hard they're not even bad fights it's just like yeah this is a good mechanic i just wish that uh you know i had planned for this a little bit better yes and it's it's like you open up your menus and you're just like what can i even do right now and you've got yeah. like deal double magic damage for 30 seconds it's like uh it's better than nothing yeah, correct yeah those <laughs> those drops you know uh once you get like a bunch of them those drops are actually really good for uh, the end game dungeon as i said that's what i use for the most part um getting through that last bit because you know as as much as 20 healing items is going to be in this game uh throwing down a defense drop or a strength drop or a uh, a magic drop uh during certain key segments uh, is going to be the thing that kind of keeps you alive uh so outside of that there's a surprising amount of stuff to do outside of the main quest and i think the, the side quests are for the most part really good and I think that it just goes to show that, like, good writing makes all the difference when you're doing kind of, like, basically fetch quests. Mm-hmm. But if the game frames it as, like, the little old lady who lives in the lighthouse has, a like, a letter that went missing, can you, like, go to the post office and push a block out of the way and try to find it? It's just like, I'm really invested in this, and I don't really yeah. know why. I would say just nice. about everything is, is, is fun for that one. Uh, except for, and if I may be so uh, so blunt and so brash about this, I fucking hate the fishing in this game. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is, it. This it is the so moment. Just this moment. I fucking hate the fishing in this game. Um, and I don't know if it's just the, the game didn't quite signpost it enough for me, or if I, I, I was uh, microwaved recently and my, my brain <laughs> uh, But when I first tried to do it, because of course you know they want to teach you to do this cool this cool mechanic is in fishing so they have you do it as part of a main quest more or less um so they have you go and and fish and uh i did not realize and it took me 35 minutes to realize this that uh where the fisherman gives you you know the quest that is not where you're supposed to fish no. uh <laughs> nope nope <laughs> there's a beach on the other side <laughs> nope <laughs> So took me an hour, Christian. Took me an hour to realize that. Catching fucking boots and cans. To feel boots, like, and and cans. Like, boots and cans. For a goddamn hour. I threw my hands up. I'm like, I can't get it. I don't know why I keep breaking my line. on shit. This should be the easiest part of the entire fishing mini quest. Like, what the hell am I supposed to do? I only broke down. I looked up a guide, and it said... The, it's the same shit. It said where you get the quest is not where you're supposed to fish. The beast. I'm like I fucking hate. <laughs> it's the only time I was actually legitimately mad at this game is that one bit. And like I said it might same. just be because I, I'm slow. Maybe they had said that and I skipped over a dialogue thing. Maybe I should have actually looked at my map because when it said that, I finally looked at my map and the X is of course where that beach is. And I thought it was just like a suggestion as opposed to exactly where I needed to be. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I when I got to the fishing part, uh, I started near earlier that day and did not stop playing till I got to the fishing, and it made me so angry that I turned to the game. <laughs> like, I, I, I was just like, I need to take a break. Yeah. yeah. The game itself is, is fantastic. This is the only absolutely infuriating part of this game. A hundred percent. Everything else can kind of be thrown aside as like, nah, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit old. It's a little bit like kind of, you know, you weren't expecting this or, you know, anything like that. It's just, you know, this is the only part. It's like, you know what? Fuck this part. Uh, so I want to know if you guys observed a an oddity, uh, same as I did, which is that the game aggressively despawns anything that is not on camera. Uh, <laughs> if you... <laughs> 
if you defeat a shade and you turn the camera like to the right, like you swing it, and that shade kind of like falls off the map, if you immediately turn the camera back, that shade and the corpse and all of the items are just gone, just immediately <laughs> gone. But if you look at them, if they're in camera, if they're in frame, they never disappear. But as soon as the camera's not looking at them, just gone. Gone forever. Gone immediately. And uh, it was a big problem for me when uh, there's a quest in the scrapyard where you have to, like, pick up X number of items. And I didn't realize that things were disappearing because, like, you fight, like, 50 enemies or whatever. And it's just like, why am I not finding this bolt or whatever the hell you're looking for? And it's just like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I did not get that, and I don't know if that's the difference between the Xbox 360 or the PlayStation 3, or if it's just because I didn't mess with the camera that much when uh, when fighting the enemy. Qu- you know, quite not quite as much. It's, I wasn't flinging my camera around half the time. Um, and maybe you know, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, just that, throwing that, your camera away, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, do my thing like I do in Call of Duty, where I turn the sensitivity to ten and just kind of just <laughs> give it a, give it a ball. I didn't do that. Motion sickness. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I, I, I gauge my, my cameras, my camera movement in a video game is if I can get motion sickness within the first four minutes of playing it, it's real good. <laughs> it's gonna be solid. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't huh? feel like I'm spinning on an office chair. <laughs> I'm not interested. I'm not interested in this game at all. Yeah, um, with the flick of a wrist, mind you. <laughs> so yeah, no, I didn't quite get that. Um, but I, I, I did have a problem with uh, the, especially if you're finding like mobs of enemies, um, where if you, if the first thing that you kill drops an item and you know you're gonna want that item for some fucking reason, and but you still have like thirty more enemies in front of you. Uh, the despawn of that is a little bit, is a touch a little not long enough for me. Did you guys get the trophy for killing enough sheep? I did not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize there was I didn't <laughs> enough sheep. I thought it was just there's there's sheep. a trophy for killing like a hundred of them or something. And, I annihilated uh, sheep. <laughs> 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 like, I am a sheep slayer. I don't know why. But, like, at the very beginning of the game, I just, I spent a good, like, two hours killing sheep. Just gotta put them down. <laughs> I don't know That's why. And then I realized they only give you one experience, like, per kill. Because I was, like, try, I mean, I'm lying, but, like, I tried to level up with sheep. Just, like, to get a little bit higher. And then when you realize they're only one experience, you know that you just wasted two hours just murdering <laughs> sheep. Yeah, you, you've been massacring innocents for no <laughs> Um, So, uh, other stuff I had uh, prepped up. Uh, this game looks like a late PS2 game. And, like, <laughs> other than, like, there's some really good moments with framing in the camera. And, like, the game... Uh, like is it's it's like it's shot well. Whoever the cinematographer Yokotaro hired was really good. But like there's that moment when you first enter the tower where you get Grimoire Vice at the beginning of the game, and that's impressive. The seaside town looks great, but everything else in the game is just ugly. Yeah, it's a little bit not polished, I guess would be, and, and like the the gameplay is polished. The graphics. Uh, are are not um but uh on the the other hand not so much for graphics but the i don't know i don't know if you've brought this up enough times uh the music in this game is fantastic unbelievably good yeah so some of the 
best music um which i think isn't that what automata also won it's unfortunately it's only award for was for best music I or whatever just yes, about to I say christian so. if you thought the soundtrack in this game was good you are gonna have your doors blown down yeah oh agreed automata is oh man i own that soundtrack it's yeah. crazy good it's unbelievably good no. Um, I just, I love vocals. I love when people, I, I don't know if they're singing in a real language. It doesn't matter because I'm just into it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I love when, um, vocals are used as almost strictly just as an instrument. I just, I love that. Mm. The nice choral effects are, are super good. Yeah. Uh, so did either of you guys know about this game when it came out? I don't think it was right when it came out. Uh, I think it was like a year or two after that uh, yeah. that I picked it up originally. Um, and I guess it must have been GameStop because I don't think Blockbuster was really around at that point anymore. Um, yeah, but, see, uh, we talked about this when you picked it up originally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, this game's really weird. I, I'm kind of into it, but I just I can't quite get 100% thrown into it because this is uh, the 360 where stuff like you know Halo, Gears of Wars and all that kind of stuff were you know the big heavy hitters um, that's the shit that I was playing um, but like I said it, it was it, when Nier Automata came out that's where I was re-sparked as like a no I remember I tried this game but I need to try it again because it's uh, it's really weird Jordan haven't you owned this game for a few years or something? I No I've owned it for like maybe a year or two uh, it was either the last time I went to a retro gaming expo or the time before it where I picked it up. Okay. I just, I, I don't even know if I could have told you that this game existed until I was like actively looking for obscure PlayStation three games. And it regularly came up because there's like six people who have played this game before that love it. And yeah. everybody else is just like, it's, it's a weird game. And it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, I guess I guess some people can hold a masterpiece in their hands and not appreciate what, what they've done. <laughs> so we, Jordan, mm-hmm. we have not talked about boxes and manuals since the Brink episode. And I'm kind of disappointed about that. But uh, okay. I have something that I want to discuss about the box specifically. It's not as good as the Brink Laws of Brink. Okay. But... <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, so, uh, Christian, I would <laughs> like to ask if you can divulge some of GameStop's trade secrets on the show. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sure. What would you like to know? If Christian can't, I sure can. I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> so Christian, uh, uh, Jordan already knows about this. Uh, <laughs> so, my copy of Brink almost <laughs> certainly has a rich tomato-based sauce splattered on the cup. <laughs> <laughs> Does every GameStop location have a jar of marinara sauce with which to slather in boxes? You know, I'm not going to say it's it's every location, um, but I know that some chicanery does indeed happen. <laughs> a fair few jobs, uh, because uh, you might not be able because you you weren't uh, obviously you know you didn't work there, but. Um, you know, sometimes your 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 store leaders uh, they don't exactly have all the time in the world, and so they'll have their their lunch, um, <laughs> like at work. Um, and you know, and, and there's, there's sometimes it's a working lunch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Three boxes. Yeah, I mean, yep. it, it, 
they I, make good coasters. It's a good table if you need to get, you know, if you're trying to yeah. eat your your microwave, you know, fucking, you know, you're a hot pocket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you make your hot pocket, and if the hot pocket explodes, you have some marinara. If it gets a copy like Brink, they're like, well, it's getting it sell anyway, so fuck it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I that's what I used Fallout 76 cases for was for, was for, was for my. my so did we. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't sell that shit. You might as well get something out of it. So. Oh man! And then Kevin, here, here's the real big one. Now, did you ask for a case when you bought Brink? No, no, it was a gift from friend of the show, Kevin King. Ah, so Kevin King must have asked for a case. Because that's the thing is, if you don't ask me for a case, I'll probably get you the nicest one we got. But if you ask me for a case, I'm definitely getting you something with a stain. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't just me. I was... <laughs> <laughs> so, so you you personally uh, have never applied marinara sauce to a box? No, I have not. I've not applied marinara, unfortunately, to it. Um, and then for uh, Dragon Age Two, I flipped it to the reverse side if it had the original artwork because it had uh, the female main character on there, um, okay. and I was biased. So, yeah, I did that for Doom and Bloodborne. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Whoa, does Bloodborne have an alternate box art? Uh, on the other side, like the inner, it's like, I don't think it's hold an alternate. Hold on, yeah, hold on, 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 I don't know if this is the time to go get your No, 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 no it's important. <laughs> no, it's important. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> he needs to know. <laughs> so my box, because I just got this off the shelf, it's just the same thing, but with the black background. Yeah, that's still different. It's different enough. I thought you meant that it was like with like Mass Effect 3 where you can have male chef or femme chefs. And I was just like, well, that's hype. Yeah, so some of them, like Last Guardian definitely has a different box art if you flip that around. Um, uh, Nier Automata definitely does because there's, there's the normal art and then there's the art of 2B carrying 9S, which I think is yeah. so much better. Oh, well, absolutely. Some Cocker games have a uh, reverse art on there too. Some which games? All the Cinder and Cogra games all have different artwork in the back. I love I you so much, Pixie. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a game that just I have probably played in the entire world, along with you. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that was the only time, anytime, yeah, uh, at my store, I was like, "Hey, we have a pre-order for Seven Cogra." I was like, "You don't need to call anyone." <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Don't worry. <laughs> I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> Unless you want to oh. just hear my fucking phone ring right now. <laughs> so, uh, with Box Fun, with Near. Uh, did either of you guys look at your box at all? So, because I got mine from GameStop, I got... <laughs> you have the, the disc. <laughs> I did, <laughs> correct. I have the disc, and I have a uh, what looks to be probably an Xbox 360 case that came out in, like, maybe 2008. Like, one of the very first ones that we had. Uh, and it has a piece of paper there that says near. Now, it is actually typed out and not drawn on with crayon. So, oh, you know, I'm, no. I'm, so it's not it's not a two saints row situation. No, it's not. A two oh, mine's got crayon on it. Oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, so do neither of you guys have like box art? No, I definitely have box art. I'm just messing with Big C. Oh, OK, because I was going to say the back of the box announces that there are 30 different weapons and eight magical spells for you to use. I believe that. I don't think that they knew who they were trying to sell this to. That's like saying that Mario has, like, three different power-ups in Super Mario World. He's got a mushroom, a flower, and a cape. And it's just, like, great. I figured in this RPG-looking game that I would be able to use different weapons. You can't. 
always prove that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're right. But I just I, I, I don't think they had any idea how to sell this to the US or to like outside of Japan, really. And yeah. like with the weird, like the jarring intro to the game, which like I think all of us found amusing by the time that we concluded the game, having kind of yell at Vice every single time you boot up the console. It's like, <laughs> trying to make an impression real fast, guys. Yeah. So I'm really curious to know what this game looks like with Big Bro Nier instead of Papa Nier. The dadliness of Nier is so core to the story of this game that like it's got to work or else they wouldn't have made it. But mm. It's just, it's odd to contemplate. So I'm definitely going to pick up the remake when it comes out because uh, I'll probably want to play this game again in a year or two. Yeah. But So uh, were there any parts of the game that we didn't discuss that you guys would like to bring up? Um, I found that the, because uh, we were talking about a little bit of the uh, the sand people. Um, the, the sand people. The, whatever, you know what I mean. <laughs> the citizens of facade, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. please. The, yeah. the sovereign citizens of the uh, the monarchy of facade, Christopher. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, the uh, when we get post-time skip, uh, that particular questline is, is, uh, is well-written, but also very kind of, you know, heartbreaking at the same time um because you know like we were saying earlier uh, we hit the midpoint but for our time skip we're at our you know emotional need here for our main cast uh and it kind of like i said you were saying earlier kevin you kind of spread out through the rest of the um the rest of the other cities and stuff like that um but it seems that for 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 them it starts off nice because our our inciting incident when going back um there is the king's getting married and King's getting married to, you know, the the girl that you know basically shows us around the entire place, uh, and then that devolves into, well, it was going to be a nice marriage until she died, being mauled to death by wolves. Yeah, by like uh, wolf wolf shades. Wolf shades, yeah. So, um, so that someone a quest for vengeance. Correct. Yeah, we went from having a happy, you know, mar- you know, marriage celebration with these people that. We, you know, are very different from, you know, our main cast of characters, but are all, you know, more or less fun people um, that, you know, we started to go into this revenge quest um, almost right away um, for it. Um, and we end up seeing the king later on uh, help us out. Um, which oh, I think yeah, is the... he shows up in the Shadow Lord's palace. Correct. Yeah. Uh, you're facing off uh, against a, a big boar that refuses to die and the king shows up to be like, nah, you've got bigger, more important things. And the way I read it was that, well, the king, you know, while he needs to do his kingliness, it's still kind of, you know, consumed you know, by this, you know, revenge, you know, this, you know, quest for, for her vengeance and blood, essentially. So he's like, mm-hmm. he's still kind of thrown up in it and he's, you know, well, he's doing a nice thing. It's like, well, he knows he's going to die. Right. Because, you know, that's the thing can't, he kind of wants to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, it's a very interesting, a very interesting, very hard hitting story beat that I think, you know, uh, works it's, really it, well. Yeah, it works very well. And it's just it's a little bit more it's a little, a little less underlined than, you know, our primary characters just because he's not a main character. But the king is a, a, a fantastic character uh, in the game. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, did you have anything else? Uh, not really. The only thing I wanted to, like, highlight for our listeners if you needed to glean one thing from this game is that it's different pretty much every hour you play. Like I, so many things change consistently and regularly that it, it just does. It always feels fresh. 
No single point in the game was I like, okay, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. Even fetch quests, I didn't do too many of them, but they all have something different that they bring to the table. And I can't say that when I went into the junkyard the first time and like went through the enemies, that going through the second time was exactly the same because it was completely different. And if you're going to play this game, know that it's a very small world, but they use it very, very, very well. Yeah, it, they, they really use every part of the animal. It's it's yeah. a very well-made game. So why don't we move on to our final thoughts? Uh, so uh, games we rate on a scale of one to five, where one is trash that belongs eternally at the bottom of your backlog where you will forget about it. And a five is treasure that belongs right at the top of your list, and you should play these games immediately. So, uh, Jordan, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so, before this podcast, like right before we started recording, I wanted to say this was a four. And, no, I think I'll keep it at four. I was going to say that the combat was really, really clunky and the fishing kind of just is an auto minus one. But, (laughs) 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 no, this game is, it's a four. It should belong at the top of your your backlog, something that you play very immediately. But I think the one thing that takes away from this is it's just not for everyone. Uh, There's a lot of things about it that could turn off most gamers. So I would say... Definitely go for it if you're into anything RPG-related. If you like Square Enix games, of course, this would truly be a 5 for you. But it's a 4 in general. Throw it at the top and play it soon. You should. Everyone should play this game. How about you, Christian? I would say this game is a 5 if you if it's been on your list at all. Um, like If you say, hey, I saw this game, it looks kind of weird, uh, and I kind of like weird. Um, or especially if you've played Nier Automata, this game is a five. You need to go ahead and play it right now. This game is really fun. Um, even with all of the stupid bullshit with the fishing, like that's you know, a very small section of the game. Everything else is 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 nearly perfect. Um, otherwise, uh, the game's <laughs> got him. Otherwise, you know, my, that's terrible. Say, You're fired. You're welcome. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> otherwise, the game's a four. Like I said, if if this was suggested to you, you've had very little interaction with uh you know the rest of the near franchise or uh japanese rpgs kind of being weird in general um like you know it's a four it's a really good game that you should be playing just be aware that it's going to be you know it's going to be weird uh, even to people who are approaching it knowing it's going to be a weird game so uh i give this game a hard five this game rules uh this game is unbelievable there is nothing like this game and I appreciate uh, the perspectives that you guys are offering, but like I don't, I, I agree. I don't think that this game is for everyone. But there's nothing like this. Like the only other game that's like this is Nier Automata, mm. and diversity of content, uh, the storytelling is really far and away better than just about any other JRPG I can think of. Like the characters are so good, the story is so good, everything's so engaging. And this is just such a well-crafted story that just delivers emotionally at every point. So I just, uh, this game is better than it has any right to be. And I, I give this a, a big fat five. All right. Nice. All right. So uh, one last thing that I wanted to say, uh, just for the two of you, 
is that uh, games like this are the reason that I wanted to do this podcast. <laughs> and uh, I think I told you this before, Jordan, but I was really sad when I saw that you added Xenogears to the backlog list because I don't want to have to play that game again. But when I played it a couple oh. years ago, I was really disappointed because I realized that I had nobody to talk about it with. Like, nobody that I knew was playing weird PS1 RPGs. Uh, however, with this podcast, all three of us played through a game as crazy as near, and we could talk about it. And it's just really nice to be able to talk about art with my good friends. Jordan and Christian. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> Maybe I'll invite me on the show another time. No. Uh, Okay. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Goodbye, One and done. All right. Cool. Uh, <laughs> no, I so, love Big C. Uh, yeah. So uh, first, uh, final, finally, uh, thank you, Christian, for joining us and playing near with us. And uh, I think this was really fun. So I hope that you join us again in the future. Uh, there were a few games on the list that you were particularly interested in. So uh, Jordan and I will um, uh, figure out when we can have you back. But uh, thank you, the audience at home, for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. You know all that stuff. Everybody tells you that stuff. Uh, so uh, the next episode that is coming up is uh, Doom 2016, which is an awesome game. I'm having a blast with it. Jordan, I think you're already done. Yeah. Uh, listen up, because that'll be a good one. And uh, we hope that you guys had as much fun listening as we had recording. And we will see you next time. Later. Later, folks.